This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode 573 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, July 11th, and I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and it's Call Your Shot, episode four. It is time. You guys once again did a great job responding, and uh, for those of you that are familiar with Anthony Fantano, the internet's busiest music nerd, This is a direct ripoff of his Let's Argue series over there on YouTube, um, which obviously deals with music. That's that's what he focuses on. Uh, We made a baseball edition called Call Your Shot. It's all about your uh, baseball-related unpopular opinions, scorching hot takes, thought-provoking questions. And I just go through them and I, uh, I answer them. Sometimes I agree. Sometimes I have to let you know that you're absolutely insane. So, um... And with that, put the caveat out early on the solo episode. Sometimes I take a drink, okay? And I don't edit it out. I leave it in there so you get the full feel. All right. Now, we started off on fire with this one. The hot takes abound on this one. I mean, just wasted no time. You guys ready for this one? I don't think you are, but you're going to say you are. My boy, Ryan Jones. At Rai Rai Jones, Bryce Harper will be lucky to get 120 mil and or seven years on the open market. <laughs> oh, that's just fiction. Now, this timing worked out well. I'm recording a few days later than I initially intended. Um, it doesn't necessarily change anything. It's just uh, I like to do it kind of, you know, the day of or within a day or two of when I make the post, especially because then some of those, you know, those piping hot takes uh, are fresh at that point. But this one kind of works too, because in the midst of a conversation um, this evening on Twitter about the superstardom of Bryce Harper. And uh, I know it's wild that it's even being called into question. I I know, I know. Um, Because listen, he hasn't been, great this year because of the uh, the batting average. There's no two ways around it. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that Bryce Harper's been great when he dropped 101 points off of his batting average. But everything else is in line. And it's really just singles aren't falling. I mean, you can say, okay, well, no, but his OBP is down from last year, so it's just like it's all the singles. 
The singles impact all three aspects of his game. And I'm not saying that there's nothing to Harper, uh, you know, that, that there's nothing that he's doing, that it's all just happening to him. I, I get that there's some contributions of his own, but not that many. I mean, he's pulling the ball more, so he's definitely rolling over into the shift, and that's eating up some singles for Harper. But it's not like he's popping up a whole bunch. His infield fly ball rate, which has never, ever been close to bad or worrisome on any level, is even better this year, career best 3%. Um so it's, I mean, it's really just the singles aren't falling. And I'm sure there's some Adam balls and some ones that have been stolen uh, because he, you know, made good contact and probably should have gotten a single. And then others just, you know, rolling over, being eaten by the shift. But the bottom line is, I mean, he's going to exceed that and it's not even going to be really all that close. First off, I, I'm sure Jones would want to amend this. Uh, if there was a big second half surge for Harper, but I don't even think it necessarily needs that. Like, let's say he ends the season with like a 240 average or something, which would entail a rebound, but probably not uh, one to the level that I certainly think we could see for Harper. Um, you know, he might amend it again. I, I don't even think it takes any of that. You know, in the midst of this conversation about Harper's stardom uh, with Ray Flowers and some other folks, I found I posted a link uh, of the player raider and basically what Harper's done through his age 25 season and and compared it to those that have matched and using just um loose threshold of his batting or excuse me of his plate appearances and his OPS plus since it's on baseball reference it's it's an ops plus situation and i'm actually scrolling right now to find it so give me give me a second i'm vamping a little bit here although it's not really vamping if you give away what you're doing uh but here i found it so about 3500 plate appearances i think he has 3654 is the exact number at least you know coming into uh after you know when tuesday night goes the stats will update or whatever with whatever he did tonight but I use that and a 130 OPS plus or better from age 26 or, you know, age 25 and below. And first off, there's only 11 candidates or 11 qualifiers for that. Again, 3,500 plate appearances of at least a 130 OPS plus. By the way, he's at 3,654 and a 139 Harper is. So it's a little bit lower, just lower the thresholds to kind of bring him in there. There's still only 11 guys. Um, now, he is the second worst. I, I hesitate to use the word worst when describing this because these are it's an elite group here. Okay, so just running through it real quick. I'm not going to get too, too, much, too detailed. But Mantle, Trout, Ed, Eddie Matthews, Hank Aaron, Ken Griffey, uh, Frank Robinson, A-Rod, Miguel Cabrera, Orlando Cepeda, Harper, and then Cesar Cedeno, and that's ranked by their OPS plus, ranging from 174 for Mantle to 133 for Cedeno. That's right. Mantle's ahead of Trout. Trout has a 172, by the way. And again, that's ages uh, whenever, whenever you started uh, through 25 with at least 3,500 plate appearances. Now, Cesar Cedeno might be somebody that you're not terribly familiar with, and he had this brilliant start to his career, and then it did kind of uh, taper off, and it wasn't it wasn't great the rest of the way it uh for in comparison to what he had done 
prior to that, the expectations were certainly that he would continue to be a stud, and he wasn't. I don't know much about his career. I do know him as um, you know somebody who kind of gets brought up in these things because his the start of his career really ranks highly. Cesar Daniel gets brought up for these, but then, um, like I said, kind of trailed off or, or plateaued a bit or really flattened out, and I don't really know the details of it. I mean, he still played from ages 19 to 35, so it's hard to say he had anything but a really strong career, but it didn't quite keep the trajectory of, well, the rest of the group, let's be honest. So the bottom line is Harper is a superstar, superstar and there's not really any case that he isn't. Um, you know, the arbitrary things about, you know, doesn't have 100 RBI season, only has one with 100 runs, only has more than 30 homers once. That's all. All, all, all three of those things are just different ways of saying he hasn't stayed healthy. And that's a, that's a legitimate knock. But then you get into the, like, health is a skill thing. And I think people just say that and think it's, like, definitively true. And I don't believe that it is. And I, I don't think it, it can be proven to be definitively true it's something that we say and i i think there's some basis to it on some aspects in terms of like not playing with your hair on fire as they say for example that's something that harper gets critiqued for but when was the last time we really saw him playing like that you know you might remember the running into the stadium wall at at, uh dodger stadium when the hell was that like four years ago so no he really doesn't play like that um is it his fault was it his skill when he slipped on the base i mean get real so then acuna doesn't have that skill because uh, if we're questioning his fitness then that's silly like because the other thing that would make health a skill would be like working on your body to make sure it's in peak condition and i don't think anybody can suggest harper doesn't do that so there's just not a case that he's that he's not a superstar and even using this year's batting average against him he still has an 851 ops OPS isn't perfect, but I mean, to hit 218 and still have an 851, like that's that's ridiculous. He's a star anyway, and he will he will exceed both 120 and uh, one. He won't necessarily exceed seven years, but he'll easily crush 120. All right, then the next one. Uh, so I'm not gonna get in this one because it's just stupid. But uh, somebody quote tweeted somebody else who was. Uh, talking some clown stuff to uh buster i almost said buster posey it was to buster only and uh he says uh, don't get me wrong those numbers are amazing but i would still rather have javier baez over trout i'm not taking a drink that's a dramatic pause for the stupidity of this comment from this clown cubs fan he then says trout is like todd helton of this era great numbers but boring as hell Give me some El Mago, El Mago over boring all day. Like, that's just so stupid. I'm sorry. Like, there is no defense for that. It, it, It's just a dumb thing to say. Like, you can be a Cubs fan and respect how good Javier Baez is. And I'll even listen to some cases that there's more to grow on from this season and, and that he can become a superstar level player. But you're just stupid. If you would, if you think that you would take trout or uh, bias over trout, like it's just stupid. Stop. Um, okay, this next one. Well, no, I'm not gonna read that one. Just, just because, like, I, and I don't want to blow up this person's spot, but it's not really a hot take or anything. I think, I, I think maybe you're just kind of hearing people describe third time through the order penalty as something different, or maybe leaning on. Because here's what he says: I think. Uh, 
third time through the order penalty is fatigue, not familiarity. And it's like, well, it's both, right? I mean, it's both. And so if anyone was just suggesting that it was only familiarity, they would be wrong. So I would agree with him to that point. But of course it's fatigue. Yes. But you're, you're leveraging that fatigue uh, against also having better information on what they're going to do to you, especially if they don't have three reliable pitches. So um, the DH, this is from Logan Smith at Hatman with two ends, 15. The DH needs to stay in the AL and leave the NL alone. LOL. I said, you say that until a Nats fan gets hurt whilst hitting uh, because he's, he's a Nats fan and it was clear from his profile and then I put go Lions because he's also a Detroit Lions fan so we have a little common ground there just letting him know I'm not hating but uh, you know you're going to be loving it until you're not and he said agreed there but man getting to watch Max hit is the best and listen I get that right and there are players who are fun to watch uh, pitcher pitchers batting who are fun to watch and you know the cologne moment is always going to get brought up as a counter to this because it was such an epic moment to watch him hit a home run I understand. I understand. I'm trading all of that to keep pitchers healthy from the injuries that they get while while running or batting. I'm sorry. Like, it's just not something that's trained for. They could train for it, right? If we changed the structure and we made them focus on it, they could train for it and be more capable of hitters. They wouldn't be great because they weren't great back in the day when they were more adept to it. But we just don't need to see clown-ass pitchers bat. I'm sorry. And if they really want Madison Bumgarner to keep batting, then let him be his own DH. And, and, you know, let him be his own guy there and sacrifice the DH for the game if you really want it. But it's just not a win. Sorry. This one's funny. I like this. JFlow underscore 22. Oakland trades for Syndergaard, wins the second wild card, and beats Boston slash Chris Sale in one game in elimination. I mean, this is very much a hot take. (laughs) Bob Hazelwood replies, a hot take is not the same as a delusional rambling. And I was like, well, actually, it kind of is, right? Uh, To some degree. But listen, I love this. It's obviously not going to happen. It would be awesome if it did. I like Oakland. I like cheering for them, especially in an instance when my team is is off to the side this year, the Tigers. But uh, I always had a soft spot for Oakland due to, like, Moneyball, and I would cheer for them in the playoffs because the Tigers weren't making it. And, of course, the, the A's weren't really coming through because, as Billy Bean says, my bleep doesn't work in the playoffs. But anyway, no, I don't think they're going to do that. But I do think there's a, a legitimate chance that they chase down Seattle. I I do think it's kind of funny. Now, listen, bottom line is that that Oakland team is flawed, particularly with their pitching. But I do think it's kind of funny how some folks are pretending like it's completely unreasonable like the al playoffs are locked it's a six game difference right now and oakland actually has a better run differential than seattle like it is not impossible to believe especially if the one game luck starts to flip in season for seattle that's a week a six game spread now it's a great week for you and a bad week for your opponent but it's a week like of course it's open it's wide open that like I'm sure there's numbers that say like what a six game lead, you know, your percentage. I respect all that. That's just probabilities though. It's not set in stone. So uh, I do think Oakland has a real shot at this. And I'm not sure they should be going out and like buying big. First of all, I'm not sure they have the tools to, but 
they should go out and, and help along the fringes. Marcos Men 12 says Paul Goldschmidt comes back and wins the NL MVP. You know, that's really interesting because it's certainly plausible. The way he's been hitting lately, I mean, you would never know. Like, if you missed, like, let's say you were just, like, traveling overseas and you just legitimately couldn't keep up. Like, you, you were backpacking or you were, you know, studying and it was something where you just, you couldn't really keep up with baseball at all. So you only, and you weren't a Diamondbacks fan or whatever either. So you, even if you were keeping up with it, you were only keeping up with your own team and you're, like, you know, a Houston fan. So you're just checking your Houston box score every day. Okay, we're doing well, we're doing well. And then you come back now and you kind of check that everything out. You'd be like, oh, yeah. I mean, looking up and down the standings and, and leaderboards, like, oh, yeah, Goldschmidt, beasting. He's been great. He's been great. And then we'd tell you, like, no, dude, there was a time when <laughs> he looked horrible. Things were going terribly. And you'd be like, what? Because you would never believe it now if you looked at his numbers. Uh, he's, he's got great numbers. This is certainly plausible. I, I don't think it's going to happen just because he's got to leapfrog a lot of folks. Um, like Freeman, uh, Arnado's always always there lingering, even though they're not going to, you know, very likely not going to make the playoffs in Colorado. Jesus Aguilar just continues to beast. I'm not saying he's a front runner for the NL MVP, but hey, he's leading the NL in Woba right now. Well, he's tied with a. Eugenio Suarez. I do think Suarez, the disqualifier there would be the lack of quality team. Kind of like Votto, they use it against him as a tiebreaker. Which I kind of think, I don't know, I'm torn on it. I'm not trying to be like super contradictory to say like, no, I wouldn't use it. But then when it's like a dead even with the numbers, then I'm okay using it. I don't know if that's like super messed up to say that. But it, I, I, I kind of don't hate it as a tiebreaker when things are equal. I don't like it as the the primary reason to say, well they're they're in the playoff hunt. Um if player if if non non contending player has like eight war and contenders are between like you know all kind of lingering around five, maybe six war, I'm giving it to the eight war guy. Like that's a substantial difference there. When you're like two wins, but like you are standing out above, I'm not going to punish you for your 24 uh, teammates there. But for example, right now, the the war leaders um, going into the break here in the NL, the top guys are all kind of lingering in the threes. It's uh, three seven at the top with Arenado down to Eugenio Suarez at three point three. So that's all like a tight group there. I'm kind of eliminating Suarez right right off the bat because he's down at the bottom of the group and all the rest are contending. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. But uh, yeah, I'm Marcos, I could totally see Goldschmidt getting back in it. Greg Bird, okay. Calandra, C91. Greg Bird finishes the season with 30 home runs. On what? MLB The Show? Get out of here. Bird Bones is not going to do that. Actually, you know what? He might. He has six now. He had one tonight. He has six. Hmm. It's not out of bounds now, except for the fact that he's just not going to stay healthy. I feel like I might have answered one of your stupid Greg Bird questions in one of the first three. Um, call your shots. So that's one of my buddies. He absolutely loves Greg Bird. Uh, freaking Bird Bones. We'll see. I don't think so. Not this year. He'll get hurt again. 
Uh, here's one. Eric underscore Lambo. Miggy has the worst contract in baseball. I think that's just a fact, and I think it's just mean to bring up to me. I think I think he was just being mean. He wasn't even trying to hot take. He was just like, let me see if I can piss Paul off. It worked. Jeez. <laughs> My buddy Mills Gaming TV, who's a big Orioles fan, says, Chris Davis says hi. Yeah, I mean, at least I... I think there's kind of a reasonable expectation that when Miggy's playing, he's going to be solid, right? He might not be peak Miggy or anything, uh, but I think he's going to be more of like maybe kind of turn into a little bit Joe Maurer-esque where it's, you know, contact. Well, more power than that. But uh, I'm trying to think of some, a better example than that because that went all the way down the power scale. But... You know, it's not going to be peak Miggy, but I think it's going to be better than Chris Davis, and Chris Davis is owed a lot of freaking money. All right, let's see here. I like this little one here. Uh, at Ted44E, I miss seeing pitchers go through the process of intentionally walking batters. I mean, it's certainly not saving any money, or any time, I should say, on games. There's just not enough intentional walks for that to matter at all. Um, and there could be mess-ups with it, you know? Who was it? Was it Barrett Barnett? It was a guy named, was it Ryan Barrett? Is that the name? The guy, Aaron Barrett in the playoffs who, um, who botched it and like chucked it over the head of the catcher, I think, in the playoffs against San Francisco for the Nats. Um, you know, and obviously that's such a unique circumstance. I still remember it, you know, three years later. But things like that could happen. So, And I, I don't know that the trade-off of just doing it is worth that. And didn't Gary Sanchez hit like a sacrifice fly off of one because they were pitching him weirdly? So, I don't know. I like this one. A Kappa, I mean, it, as a hot tag, not, not that I like it necessarily to come through. Uh, but at A Kappa, Marcus Stroman, top 25 pitcher rest of season. Man, I wish... I wish I could believe in that. I just can't. And, you know, one of the main things is even out of his control. I just don't see the um, the defense being good enough to, to turn all the ground balls into outs. So I think that that's a big deal is where I just don't see, um, you know, even when he's not. like So there's no room for error, really. He's basically got to be pitching at his best because even when he's, when he's not – you know, can they turn those easy ground balls into outs consistently? They got a pretty weak offense. I mean, he had a good start tonight. It's a good time to do this one because he's coming off seven innings, one run on six hits, two walks, five strikeouts. How many ground balls? Let's see. 15 ground balls that got. So he was dealing tonight. And let's see. But didn't he get busted up last time out? Yeah, so he's bust. So he's got, you know, uh, Really volatile three starts lately. Two seven innings, one earned. With a four and two-thirds, six earned sandwiched in there. And that's against the Mets. So it's almost like with, excuse me, with Stroman, the the opponent doesn't really matter. When he's on, go into Atlanta and shut them down like he did tonight. Doesn't freaking matter. But when he's off, the freaking Mets get loose on him. So I don't know. It, it's not impossible. So, uh, but I think it is still pretty hot taking because I just don't see it happening. I put Marcus Stroman as a peak 
like for me, my projection would be kind of a best case. I would say a top 50 pitcher rest of the way. Ooh, here's one from at real fake Walter. Now this, this, I mean, this goes back to our first guy here because he's putting some shade on him. Juan Soto is the best Washington Nationals hitter. No, he's not. No, he's not. Um, he has been so far this year. That I will agree with. That is, I mean, I don't even have to agree with it. That's undisputed. He just has been. It's just the numbers. Matt Adams has been damn good as well, though. Um, and yeah. But, you know, Harper's been like third. Well, Never mind. I see you, Mark Reynolds. I'm sorry. I didn't give you enough love. It's actually Soto, Reynolds, Adams, then Harper. But I'm not going off of just a half season. He might be their best hitter going right this moment, Juan Soto. But it's absolutely still Harper. Stop. All right, here we go. Um, whoa. Whoa. I like this one. Todd Rhodes at bro underscore Hio H I O. Max Muncie finishes the year with 36 homers and beats out Soto and Acuna for NL Rookie of the Year. And Tyler Molly leads all rookie pitchers in K's and ERA. Molly's been pitching better of late. Let me see this Muncie bit here. Muncie is qualified rookie still. I think so. By the way, no, he's not. Okay. Sorry, needed needed a drink there. It was mission critical. Um, yeah, he exceeded. I, I thought he had enough plate appearances to exceed, so he exceeded it back in fifteen. So he can't win Rookie of the Year unless we get some Edinson Volquez situation. Google that. Just Google Edinson Volquez Rookie of the Year if you want to know what that's all about. Um, but the thirty-six homer thing is intriguing. That would give him uh, sixteen the rest of the way, unless he hit one tonight, which wouldn't surprise me because. Why, why, why would you be surprised at what Max Muncie does at this point? Let me see. let me just check. I don't recall seeing the Dodgers box score tonight, so I just want to do my due diligence. Oh, I know Eric Lauer pitched his butt off. Did he allow Muncie a home run? Yes, he freaking did. Oh my god, that's so funny. I was like, they had one run. It couldn't have been okay. It was him. That's freaking hilarious. Uh, Eric Lauer, though, by the way, eight and two thirds. And just the homer. So that was in the ninth. And then they're like, no, no, let's let Kirby Yates finish this out. So he needs 15 more yaks. I'm going to say yeah on that. I think he gets that. I believe in what he's doing here. This this patience and power approach that he's got, like, there's a lot of believability in here. And, you know, at this point, maybe even 36 isn't hot enough because it kind of already builds in some some fair regression. Of course, you know, he can go in a big cold slump and, and, and really tear things down. I'm, I'm not seeing like a 31% homer to fly ball rate continuing the rest of the way. But there's a lot of wiggle room, and he is selling out for power. And I, 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 I've I mentioned before, I don't want to say that when it's coming like at the expense of everything. I, I think it's better to say that when some guy's just like striking out 30-plus percent of the time and, you know, 50% fly ball like Rudnet Odor sells out for power he doesn't get much but he sells out for it Muncie has a power approach I think is better stated 46% fly ball 44% pull 
46% hard contact, and that's currently translating into the 31% homer to fly ball. Um, but I mean, I mean, you look at it almost a one to one strikeout to walk, 19% walk, 23% K. He waits, he hunts, and he's looking for power months. He is. So yeah, I think he gets the 15 more homers. I think we get 36 homers out of him, out of him. I wonder, I wonder if there's any way he gets into the, uh, NL MVP conversation, like legitimately. Because, I mean, that'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> let's just, let's just be real. That'd be so freaking cool. I'm trying to see what, um, how many games do they have left? They've played 91. Okay. So they have 71 left. Yeah. You, I mean, you could kind of just, um, as far as like a pace thing goes, basically double what he's done, which would put him on pace for 42 if he stayed at this clip, Muncie. But he's not going to stay at this clip, so you back it off, and then you're looking at six fewer. Yeah, I think he's going to get those homers, but he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. What was the other one? Oh, Molly. Molly's been pitching better of late. I kind of gave up on him early in a deep league, um, and I don't regret it at all, even though he's been pitching better because his ERA is down to 366, but the whip's a nightmare, and whip has been what's killing me in that league still, even still. So um, I know you guys don't care. I don't know why I brought that up. Guys, let's talk about my league. Uh, but no, Tyler Molly since June 1st, has a 204 ERA and 41 strikeouts in his last 39 and two-thirds. It's been really nice. Rookie, let me see rookie starters though for the uh, raw strikeouts thing because that's that's the one I'm not sure about here. Let's see what everyone's got. Go to the uh, and talk about it in the context of guys who could face innings limits. Well, he already is leading, so there you go. You might have already known that. But you're just saying he's going to continue to lead. Okay, okay. Because right behind him is Caleb Smith. Done. Uh, Domingo Herman not going to last all year because of innings limit. Without a doubt, no way. He has a 15K lead on Jack Flaherty. Tyler Molly does. Um, now, Flaherty, despite being a pretty young guy, I don't think he's going to run up into too much of an innings limit, to be honest. Because he threw a bunch of innings last year. He had 170 innings last year. So it's not like they're going to tax, you know, be taxing him if they push him or just kind of not even push him, but just just let him go the rest of the year. So that could be an interesting case for Molly. We'll see if he can um, go go up against uh, Flaherty. But right now that looks pretty good as far as the ERA. Let's see. I'm sure there's guys with a lower ERA, but ones that won't won't even last as far as uh, starters here. Um, I mean, do we count Ryan Stanek? He's been split, so I'm going to say no. We're going full-time starters. Let's see here. Lucchesi and Flaherty both lower than him right now. Jaime Berea. But then there's Molly. And so Flaherty's, Flaherty's the one who busts this up. So basically you're taking Molly over Flaherty, which is still a hot take. Like That's, that's planting your flag. That's something there. So I, I like that, Todd. Uh, I liked Molly coming into the year. I like his his control. I like to see a little bit more command. Um, he really shows. He's a good example of the difference. He can fill up the zone all day. 
uh, Tyler Molly can, but it's not always where you want, and he can make some rough pitches that go for for moonshots. And the interesting thing is, and then he gets in deep counts, and then he starts collecting some walks because he doesn't want to come into the zone with some weak stuff. So it, it it it's it's really interesting to watch. But I like him. I think he's got something there. I think Cincinnati's pushing toward their rebuild nicely. It's not loud. Um, and, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle anyway because of the division they're in and because, listen, there's so many teams that are rebuilding. They're not all going to click. They're not all going to be the Cubs and the Astros and everyone just takes their turn and, and wins, right? Some of them are going to flop just because the development won't come through. But I like a lot of what Cincy's doing. I think they are starting to build a little something. You know, they got Scooter Janet off the scrap heap. He's turned into a star-level hitter. He's still only 28, so he can be part of their next good team even if that doesn't happen for two, three years. He's going to be 30-31. Like, that's okay. That's That's a good piece to have same with Eugenio Suarez he's 26 he's he's looking like a superstar hitter this year and so again 28 29 these are your kind of cornerstone veterans with your legacy guy in Votto and then you got a great defender in Barnhart who I still hope uh, I still have hope for as developing some punch uh, behind the dish too and I could see I really see him in the in a little bit of the Yadier Molina mold just in in that he plays a whole bunch and kind of learns how to hit at the major league level and has a little bit of a spike down the line, uh, which is probably just kind of more of the catcher mold, not so much Yadi Molina because he started so early. But I do love those those guys. I've mentioned it a lot on the podcast, those guys with the defense on lock that just get that playing time and figure out how to hit Albert Almora, uh, Matt Chapman, Tucker Barnhart are probably my three right now. That are kind of the next wave, along with like the guys that we've already seen do it: Molina, Andrelton, uh, Brandon Crawford. So I, I I love that player type, especially in fantasy and especially in long term, where you can kind of wait on it as well. Um, all right, let's see. Speaking of Yachty, this one quickly from Jay Herbs twenty three twenty eight. Yachty's the best all around catcher in baseball, and that's facts. Okay, relax. Just because you said, and that's facts, doesn't make it count Ooh, here's another one just kind of going off the molly thing I, I like this one this one i think this one might be the last one uh shane bieber despite his poor start against the royals this was back on Ju- july 3rd will win al rookie of the year all right now let's go back to the rookie page i left it up and let's go to the american league and now let's check out the hitters though too because if you know the molly one was focused on you know, rookie pitchers. It didn't say anything about rookie of the year. This one talks about being AL rookie of the year. So let me see. Oh, Glaibs. Hello. Otani was obviously looking like a lock for a while there just because he was pitching and hitting and succeeding on both. That kind of gets pushed to the, to the side there unless his hitting just kills in the second half and he still gets it. Uh, but then you have Glaber Torres who is hurt right now though. And I didn't mean to say that with like the, uptick in my voice as if it was good it's it's obviously not i was sorry <laughs> i feel bad for saying it like that i'm not happy that he's hurt i was just pointing out like he's hurt so that that muddies that up a little bit i'm looking at as far as pitchers go he's certainly standing out there um 
you know, outside of Otani, here's the thing. Let me check the innings limit piece now. I think he was one of the danger zone guys. Uh, let's see. Where are you at, Biebs? Oh, no. Pardon me. He was absolutely not. He was in the clear, free and clear zone because he threw a buck 73 last year, Shane Bieber did. And there's no real reason for them to limit him because also, unless, unless he just aces out, Shane Bieber's not going to be in there playoff rotation you're talking Kluber Bauer Clevenger Carrasco those top four those are the ones that are they're going to want now injuries happen things change but even still even if he did kind of emerge into something that they thought was going to be a playoff option they could they still wouldn't have to limit his innings that much to get him through even October he's kind of got I would say and what I was using for this piece was and you can check it it's it's now tabbed in the innings limit tracker on the sidebar uh was there 2017 plus 25 percent which is just kind of a guideline too it's not you know it's not a hard fast thing where it's like well now you can't let him go anymore and when i ran the number so i ran it earlier this week so i don't think he's pitched since then i had like 103 left in the tank so maybe they give him like an extended break coming right out of the all-star break and and maybe skip a rotation there, save a little bit there, then another skip in August, and then you build up some extra innings there, and then he's good to go. I think Bieber could win American League Rookie of the Year. He'd have to have a really sharp second half, though. All right, y'all, that one's going to finish it up. This was fun. I love the Call Your Shot. We'll do a Call Your Shot 5 over the All-Star break for sure, and I'll be looking for your second half hot takes. So we'll focus specifically on things that you think are going to happen in the second half. I'll post a tweet for it. So don't worry about tweeting at me right now because I, I need them to be collected under a specific tweet so that I have them, especially in the, this situation. It's a, it's really valuable because uh, I ended up doing it a few days later than I wanted, but I appreciate all of you that tweeted. I do read all of them. So even though they didn't all get on the show, um, I do read all of them, and I really appreciate it, and I try to respond to a handful of them as well. So um, you guys made this really fun, and I really appreciate that. And I'll be back on Friday with Justin. Peace. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league's scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.